Hi, I'm Melinda Cusera, your indie fantasy author, and I'm back to read Curse Breaker Enchanted. Today we're picking up with chapter 19, which I think is the last chapter in the first part or the first book that makes up Curse Breaker Enchanted. So let's see if my memory is correct about that, but I'm pretty sure that this is the last one. And then the next recording will be the second book or the second part of Curse Breaker Enchanted. So let's see. Chapter 19. Unable to get past the introduction to his essay about Shiari's political system, Myron gave up. Where did you go, brother? You disappeared for 24 hours. True, Myron had slept for nine of those hours, but the others, he'd been awake and worried for them. Whatever happened out there, I can handle it, even if it involves magic. I'll be 15 in four months. Myron glared at the crossed out lines on the page before him. He'd rewritten the same sentence three times before tossing his quill down in disgust. Magic. It always circled back to that dreaded M word. Sarn had it, he didn't. It shouldn't matter, but it did. Sarn always clams up when magic's involved, and there was no getting around that, no matter how hard Myron tried. You do too much, brother. And there was no way to make Sarn cut back, either. The stupid fool thought no one would pick up the slack. Myron's conscience pricked him, but he ignored it. I went without supper when I was Rand's age. Missing one meal would make the child appreciate his next one even more. As he yawned, Myron shoved the books he needed for the next day's classes into a worn rucksack. Why did you refuse to tell me what happened? He glared at his sleeping brother's back. With Sarn, there was no knowing because his magic-addled brother functioned on a logic unique to him. The older Myron got, the wider the gap between him and his brother became. Another yawn convinced Myron to retire. He rose unaided and left his crutch leaning against the wall as he hobbled over to the mattress. Myron didn't see the ghost staring at his sleeping nephew, but he felt the intense cold of its aura when he walked through the ghost and left a bit of himself behind. Why is it so cold in here? Myron rubbed his arms and searched for a blanket. As a green flash streaked across the eyes and died out, the sight emboldened the shadows crouching at the cave's corners. They crept closer. Myron shivered harder. He wrapped a blanket around himself and cursed at his brother. Damn you, Sarn. How could someone so thin take up so much space? Curled up on his side, Sarn lay with his back to Myron and his son in his arms. The little rascal looked comfy as he drooled on Sarn's tunic. Jealousy knifed through Myron's heart. He shoved at a shield he could neither see nor sense until there was enough room to lie down. It was an invisible pressure on his skin, but he ignored it. Just 499 more days until my 16th birthday and the end of my formal education. Then I'll be with my brother every waking moment, and that would annoy the hell out of his nephew. Myron smiled, picturing the imp's reaction. A knock at the door roused him. Go away. Myron thought hard at the door and their late-night visitor. But no, the knocker bore down on the door with determined fists. Then a female voice cut through the knocking, and Myron groaned. It was one of those goddamn foundlings. Morena called Sarn's name again, but Sarn had fallen into a sleep so deep nothing external registered. Why did the foundlings send her as their emissary? Myron stumbled to the door and slipped out into the tunnel as the patter of little feet warned of his nephew's approach. Damn it, now I must bribe the gabby boy to silence him. Myron closed the door and glared at the woman who wanted to replace Rand's missing mom, as if I would allow this harpy to sink her claws into my brother. She'd rend Sarn into bloody pieces. At 19, she was a year younger than Sarn and obsessed with him. What do you want? My brother left you plenty of food. Myron was still annoyed by that decision, and his tone made it clear he'd objected. The foundlings were a bunch of leeches. He fixed his eyes on the uneven floor to avoid looking at her. Toes blackened by dirt protruded from the hem of her grubby skirt. She'd torn her skirt in places to reveal teasing glimpses of her equally filthy legs. The foundling's cave had a freaking spring cascading into a small pool. A bucket and a rag would go far in reducing her body odor. If you need more food, you know where to get it. My brother can't do everything, nor should he. 
Myron clenched his hands into fists. Leaving these needy bitches and bastards had been the best decision Sarn had ever made. A decision I engineered. He's got a demanding job and a son to raise. He doesn't have time to play servant for you. The door handle turned, but Myron held the door closed, leaving Ran out of the conversation. I didn't come about food, she said through clenched teeth, and I didn't come to talk to you. Too bad, because I'm all you're getting. You can tell me your latest demand and I'll think about passing it on, or you can go to hell. The latter option was Myron's preferred choice, and the sour look she threw Myron made it clear she understood. Good, at least she was clear on the situation. Rand patted the door. Who's out there? No one important. Go back to bed, he told the boy, but Rand never listened to him. Rand's head bumped the door and a muffled ow resounded as his nephew put his ear to the crack. Damn the little tyke and his never-ending curiosity. Uncle Myron? Myron sighed. I should go back inside before Rand raises a ruckus. The slightest note of alarm in that boy's voice would wake Sarn from even the deepest slumber. A spark of jealousy ignited in the pit of his belly just thinking about that. Look, I came to talk to your brother. Where is he? Morena's strident tone dragged Myron's gaze down to hers. He was around six feet tall by now and fast catching up to his giant of a brother. But not fast enough. Sarn still had at least six inches on Myron. Sleeping. And I should be too. Tell me what you want so I can get back to that. Morena crossed her arms over her chest, covering up the ample cleavage on display. Wake him. I need to talk to him. No, you don't. You need to talk to me, and I'll pass your message on to my brother when he wakes up. Or not at all. It depended on the request. If she'd come to convince Sarn to move back in, she could shove that request where no soap ever went. We're better off on our own, just the three of us. Uncle Myron? Rand's voice rose to a whine, and he punctuated his question with another open-handed slap on the door. Rand, sweetheart, go wake your father. Morena flashed a predatory smile at Myron, half hid by her stringy hair. Don't do it, Rand. You let your father sleep. Do you hear me? Myron turned, so he spoke into the door. A small, yes, greeted his ears, and Myron's shoulders sagged in relief. You can't divide a little boy's loyalties. Family always comes first. Myron tightened his grip on the door handle and narrowed his eyes at Morena. You're not here on anyone's behalf but your own. You want to wreck our home. Well, I won't let you. Neither will my brother. You're transparent and we see your rotten core. She's not rotten, Will said, rounding the bend. He took in the scene with a glance. Take it back. We're all friends here. Are we? Standing with his back against the door, Myron glared at Marina. Even her? You're cruel. I don't know why Sarn puts up with you. All you do is nag, nag, nag. Marina spun on her heel and her stained skirts flared as she walked off in a huff. Yeah, well, at least I bathe. When was the last time you and Soap met? Marina glared at him and Myron turned smug eyes on his friend who'd gone apoplectic. Myron! Will sputtered, his face flushing as he loosened the laces of his tunic. Why can't you two get along? You never used to pick on her. Yeah, well, she never used to drive me crazy. Why is she so obsessed with my brother? He can't stand her. Will nodded and turned sad eyes on Myron. Look, I'm tired. Morena woke me out of a sound sleep and she gave me demands and attitude when I opened the door. Myron lied. Sorry. Will kicked a pebble and it skittered down the tunnel. Piss-colored Lumiere crystals threw washed-out yellow light on his friend, making his skin appear sallow. What are you mixed up in now? What is it? Myron stood straighter. Did I misjudge Marina? Did some serious matter bring her to our door? What's happened? Will scrubbed both hands through his lank hair. It's nothing serious yet, but... Will lost the thread of his thoughts and stared at the door in search of answers. Time. Will looked at Myron and met his gaze. Time? Myron laughed. But inside he seethed. Not this again. He shook his head. It's just an hour, Will said. Did you say he's back? Yeah, he walked in a few hours ago and said nothing about what happened. Myron ground his teeth together and counted silently to ten. He's okay, right? I saw him fall. I thought I'd never see him again. Will's voice trailed off as he relived Sarn's kidnapping. Thanks for telling me. 
Will nodded, ignoring his acidic tone. I'm glad he's back. He's okay, right? Okay was a sliding scale for Sarn, so Myron nodded. Uncle Myron? Rand slammed his palm into the door. Even muffled, it sounded too loud. Who are you talking to? Myron sighed and opened the door. Come see for yourself. Before Rand could say or do anything, Will crouched in front of the curious boy and advanced his case to a miniature version of Sarn. Hi, Rand. I came to ask for some time. Not for the older foundlings or me, but the young ones. They miss your father. They look up to him. Papa is big, Rand replied, not understanding what Will had meant. Just one hour. It would mean so much to them. Get in line. Myron eased his nephew away from the door so he could enter. Will tried to see in, but Myron blocked the door. You want them looking up to Metrin? Because they will if your brother doesn't visit soon. Metrin, the name jolted Myron. He glared at his friend as Rand squirmed and tried to see around his leg. Who's Metrin? A bad person, Myron told his nephew. He narrowed his eyes at Will. He's been hanging around the foundlings, hasn't he? Will nodded. Not every day, but often enough to make an impression. Why? He left five years ago and made his own life. Myron's gaze fell to his nephew, whose head had sprouted between his legs. The boy looked up at him, grinned at his ingenuity, and straightened up from his crouch. He doesn't know about Ran, Will said, reading Myron's half-formed worries. How can he? When he left the foundlings, Beku didn't know she was with child. When did he start coming around? About a month ago, I think. I'm not here when he comes. Metrin would visit when no one who disliked him was present. Myron ground his teeth again. Should I tell my brother about this? Sarn had a right to know. But did it matter if Metrin was sniffing around the foundlings? Who's Metrin? Why is he a bad man? Rand looked first to Myron, then to Will for an answer. Neither gave one. Of course it matters. Myron almost slapped himself. The foundlings babysat Rand every day for a few hours so Sarn could get some sleep. Every day except today because I cut all my classes. Fear iced the jealous flame burning in his gut. Myron scooped up his nephew and hugged him hard. Rand returned the embrace and laid his head on his uncle's shoulder. Metrin hates Sarn. Damn, damn, and double damn. One look would tell Metrin who'd sired Rand. The scoundrel had to remain ignorant of the precious child resting in his arms. Will had followed the exchange, and he tensed as he came to the same conclusion. He extended a hand and patted Rand's back. How often does he come? Myron squeezed his nephew. Once a week. How long does he stay? Not long. A quarter of an hour, I think. He plays the visiting prince, collects his accolades, then departs. Will crossed his arms over his chest, but not before Myron saw his friend's hands curl into fists. You'll tell? Will's voice trailed off, and his eyes widened. Tell me what? Sarn asked around a yawn. Ran reached for his father and missed because Myron moved so his brother could lean against the doorpost. Why didn't you tell me someone kidnapped you? Myron's question stopped his nephew's fretting, but it didn't affect his half-awake brother. Sarn glanced at Will, halting their friend's retreat. You saw what happened? Will raised both hands in surrender. He was caught in a deadly crossfire and knew it. Will opened his mouth, but no words emerged, so he nodded, and Sarn echoed his nod. Myron fumed and shot a glance at his brother and his friend. Thanks, I guess, Sarn said around a yawn. No problem. You'd have done the same for me. Will edged toward the bend in the tunnel representing safety. When Sarn made no move to explain what he and Will were not talking about, Myron rounded on his brother. So Spill, what happened? What were you thanking Will for? Because you aren't thanking him for telling me. And while we're on that subject, why did I have to find out from my friend instead of my brother? Sarn ignored the invitation to explain himself. Those glorious green eyes unfocused, and the arms crossed over his chest fell to his sides. Emotions fled his face. All kinds of things, none of them verbal, passed behind those twin rings of emerald flame as they drew everything and everyone into them. Myron snapped his fingers in front of his brother's face. Hey, come back to me. Sarn blinked and rubbed his eyes, breaking the spell. 
Where did you go? Myron asked. I don't know. Sarn shook his head. His voice was a threat and it snapped. I think I need to lie down. Sarn staggered toward the sheet-wrapped straw affair they pretended was a mattress. Myron put his nephew down. Worry pinched Rand's face as he crawled into the arms, waiting to gather him in. Papa's hurt? No, just tired. Sarn had almost said something else, but his magic had forced him to change it. What did you almost say? Myron pursued that question after he threw the deadbolt. Landing on the mattress beside Sarn, he prepared for a verbal battle. Tell me what happened. I'm 14, not 4. I can handle it. It couldn't have been that bad if you're here to talk about it. Rand shot his uncle a glare at the mention of his age and the implied insult. Myron patted his nephew on the head to mollify him. Silence reigned and Myron bit the inside of his cheek to keep from making any more demands. He pieced the story together from whatever tidbits his brother gave him. Damn Sarn and his secrecy to the coldest pit of hell. At dawn, I went aboard a ship to unload something. I felt a sharp jab and everything went black. I woke up in the middle of a forest and I spent the whole day trying to get back. You didn't tell me because you thought I couldn't handle it. Myron shook his head. Anger boiled his blood and perhaps his bones too. Sarn had handed him the edited version again. More had happened, but he'd get nothing more out of his brother tonight. Myron bit his lip to keep from spewing the hateful words burning on his tongue. No, I didn't want to worry you. It's done and over. Sarn caught his brother's eyes and his irises ignited. Green fire spun, creating a vortex, and it drew Myron into those emerald depths. He fell toward old secrets Sarn kept from him because his elder brother was a bloody damn fortress. I won't let it happen again. Sarn slammed his fist down on the mattress, then glanced away, breaking the partial gaze lock. What did Will want? It'll keep until tomorrow, Myron lied. I need to do a bit of research. You know how they are. Myron waved in the general direction of the foundlings, always jumping at shadows. You'd think their numbers would prevent that, but they don't. Will just handed me the perfect opportunity to prove I'm trustworthy. Tomorrow, he'd thank Will and ensure Rand's silence on the matter. At least tomorrow, the boy would stay with Sarn all day, giving Myron time to come up with a plan to safeguard his nephew. He fell asleep, still scheming about tomorrow. A patch of shadow cartwheeled across the room the instant Myron's breathing slowed. The sudden movement broke Sarn out of the light doze he'd fallen into while waiting. Shade ended that acrobatic run with a flourish before dropping into a crouch. Why is the entire world dropping in for a visit tonight? Sarn rubbed his tired eyes. Boo, Shade said. His friend's smoke-ravaged voice gave the word a spine-tingling edge. Model gray fabric hid Shade's face, but two almond-shaped holes allowed his friend to see out. I saw you sneak in behind my brother. His magic had also pointed Shade out the instant Sarn had awoken. Shade pounded a glove fist into an open palm and indulged in some head-shaking. One day soon, I'll sneak up on you. You'll see. Oh yes, you'll see how sneaky Shade can be. After delivering that rhyme, Shade pushed to a stand. His friend swept a cloak draped arm out in a dramatic gesture, then sat down hard. More head shaking followed, the kind signaling a dizzy spell. Are you on something? Sarn couldn't help asking. You know my drug of choice is life itself. From its marrow, I suck all for myself. Are you drunk? Because you're making less sense than you usually do. Only on the wine of life, my friend. Join me in the dance of ages where the, um... His androgynous friend muttered while seeking a word to rhyme other than coin. Shade had survived a fire many years ago, and the experience had worked body, voice, and psyche. By the time Sarn had met Shade, the whole head-to-toe gray cloth ensemble had become a habit, leaving no hint of gender. Sarn shook his head and got up. Nobody took care of anyone without him around. Shade rose, but he set a hand on his odd friend's shoulder. No, you sit here and watch my son. Shade made another attempt at rising until Sarn handed his son to Shade, who accepted the boy with stiff arms. Shade's dark eyes widened in surprise. Rand opened an eye. When he recognized Shade, he wriggled into a comfy position so he could track his father's every move. 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm fixing something to eat, so Sarn trailed off. In his head, he referred to Shade without specifying a gender. Applying the pronoun it to a living person felt wrong. Shade doesn't pass out. Sarn patted his son's shoulder and Rand nodded. When he turned to make good on his plan, Shade caught his sleeve. You trust me? You're the one who told me he existed. Sarn let the sentence hang. Four years later, the truth still stung. Rand's mother had planned to raise their child on her own without ever telling him he had a son. Sarn pulled a box from the crenellation high on the cave wall and fought the urge to smash it. Instead, he withdrew the red Lumiere crystals. Magic coated his skin, protecting Sarn from their fiery touch as he heated some leftover stew. Beku's gone, either dead or fled. Rand's my son, and I'm raising him as best I can. You don't have to starve. I've always got something. Usually it's edible. Shade made no reply, and the silence suited Sarn. He could dig out a reason for Shade's visit later, when memories stopped trying to drag him back to that night. Four years ago, awakened from a nightmare, Sarn looked straight into Shade's eyes. A gaze lock seized him, dropping Sarn down a fiery well of pain. His flesh melted as the fire roasted Shade alive. This was Shade's memory. Sarn realized as it shattered. Something had interrupted the gaze lock. Sarn struggled to focus on the gray form leaning over him as the disorientation faded. What's happened? Words tumbled out of Shade's mouth. Baby and Beku, followed by, you must come now. Sheets scratched as they fell away. Cold metal met his bare soles when he descended the ladder from the triple stack of bunk beds in the ranger's barracks. Hurrying through empty corridors, the word baby had beat a metronome of doom in Sarn's brain. Whose baby? What trouble was it in? Why fetch me? Shade's smaller hand had grasped his, tugging Sarn through that dreaded infirmary to a cradle. The glow of his eyes had lit a tiny thing with stubby arms. The baby had turned its lemon-shaped head and looked right at him. Those milky green eyes said in a language of blood and magic, I am yours and you're mine. Then the baby howled. Tiny fingers had reached for Sarn. Then he was sliding down a wall, clutching the baby in his shaking arms. One thought had beaten his brain. Hold onto the baby. And he had. Nearby, someone was talking. The healer, maybe. He was saying crazy things. How could this child have been dying before I came here? It didn't make sense. Nor could he focus on it because the baby's pale green eyes were locked onto his and nothing else mattered. Sarn blinked away the memory. Somehow, my presence that night saved my son's life. I still don't understand why. I just know it did. Maybe the reason no longer mattered since he didn't plan on having any more children. Still, he owed Shade an unpayable debt. When Sarn had the red Lumiere crystals stowed out of Rand's reach, Sarn brought the stew over to his friend. He traded food for his son and collapsed onto the mattress. I haven't seen you in three months. His head felt stuffed with metal. There was something off about Shade. It scratched at the back of his mind, but he was too exhausted to figure out what. Fine, keep your damn secrets. You didn't ask my name. Something in Shade's quiet reply made Sarn bite back the scathing retort he'd had ready. Playing the usual game might net me some answers if I can stay awake long enough to play it to its conclusion. Fine, how are you called tonight? I am the whispered word the wind sends forward. I am the rumor scored by a dive downward. Shade paused and mined someone falling from an impressive height. It took a moment for Shade's words to click. Sarn had almost forgotten about going AWOL last night and the seven witnesses to his swan dive. Who saw me? Shade waved a hand. Seen by those who are bored. Reported and stored. Word of angel sword. What? No, I fell. I can't fly. What are you talking about? But Shade had run away with the rhyme and ignored him. Eye of green, not sky. Fell from on high. Gravity denied. You swim but stay dry. No, water soaks me. It tries to drown me like everyone else. 
Sarn glanced at his son, the calm center in all this. Rand listened with half-closed eyes as Shade continued to wax poetic. Angel, they all sigh. Man's only ally. He who cannot die. Though many do try, one cannot say why. The green-eyed can't die. Shade regarded Sarn, and a strange emotion crossed his friend's eyes. Was that fervor? Sarn glanced away. Weights pushed on his eyelids, trying to close them. They're wrong. I'm not any of those things. A fall doesn't break you. Who saw me jump? Did they belong to a gang? Which one? And what were they doing there? There's nothing over there. I told you, the board and rumor has soared. Soon it will be lore. I'll know you are poor. Speak sense, damn it. Sarn fought the urge to kick his best friend. He missed the old shade, the one he could talk to about everything. But that shade was gone thanks to Eliel or Angel's Dust or whatever they called that powerful hallucinogen now. I can't fix you. The fates know I've tried. Sarn glanced away. Shade prattled on about angels, oblivious to his pain. But Rand had heard his comments, and he curled into Sarn, reminding him not everyone needed fixing, just care. Wake me when you're ready to make sense. Lying flat felt good, too good. Muscles tense from running, ached for relaxation and release. But Shade's rhyme rattled around in Sarn's head, making his jaw clench and his teeth grind. The lower quarters had too many eyes to see stupid stunts, and too many tongues ready to blab to too many warlord wannabes who listened for such tales. Maybe nothing would come of it. A yawn broke the thoughts picking Sarn apart, and sleep snatched him away before anger could congeal into harsh words. They'll come to your door, seeking for a sword. They search for one to be the horde, out of the chains dead score to their reward. Shade warned, but only the gathering shadows and a dozing child heard the warning. When Shade's story ended without a proper ending, Rand frowned at Shade. He opened his mouth to ask what happened next, but stopped when Shade touched Papa's boot. Magic sang its sleep song, a deep thrum vibrated Papa's bones, and emerald light pushed past his skin, wrapping Rand in bright wings of power and protection. It excluded Uncle Myron. As usual, no playing with the magic now. Papa slept too deeply to allow it. His magic was in full sentry mode, keeping a glowing eye on everything. Where Papa's fingertips brushed the ground, emerald light pooled. Sparks leaped up his fingers and streaked across his arm, jumping from him to Rand. It worked its way into his muscles, bones, and organs, making Rand's skin tingle as magic dripped into a res carved at birth to store it. Papa's magic filled him up, but he didn't glow. Maybe tomorrow I will. Rand yawned as he listened to Papa's heartbeat as an accompaniment to the magic song. That rhythmic beating changed to voices swelling as they chanted the same word. Rand tried to parse the word syllable by syllable, but each repetition dragged sleep a little nearer. Movement startled Rand. Had the thing he'd sensed coming finally arrived? It might have. There'd been an awful lot of visitors tonight. Footsteps interrupted the quiet. Someone else was awake. Who? Rand squirmed, then blinked tired eyes at Shade. Papa's strange friend held one of his boots. Shade should stop. The magic preferred people to keep their hands off Papa. While Shade removed a sock spotted with red, the magic readied itself to strike. What are you doing? Rand asked. Sleep, little one. Loved. Fly to dreamland, dove. There to soar above, little one so loved. Rand yawned. You didn't answer me. Though the rhyme had told a lovely story, especially the little one love part. It made the corners of Rand's lips turn up. Making amends, friends to the end, I defend. Shade gave a mock bow, then dipped a corner of their cloak in the pail collecting their water. Papa said not to touch. Rand tried on one of Uncle Myron's glares, but his eyelid sagged, sleepward, rooting the effect. Papa made a comfy pillow, and the magic a warm blanket. His tummy twisted, and he opened his eyes as chilly air buffeted him. Behind Shade, the not-boy thing coalesced. A pile of clothes Papa had forgotten to tidy up poked through the boy's transparent feet. The specter pointed at Rand, who struggled to sit up, but Papa's arm snugged him in close, and the magic wove a cocoon of protective light around Rand. It didn't like the situation.
What is he? Rand asked around a yawn. He pointed at the boy thing, and it mimicked him. Shade ignored his question and touched Papa's foot. But the magic had tolerated Shade's presence for long enough. It slapped the interloper's hands away. Shade yelped and withdrew to a safe distance. I told you not to touch Papa. Rand shook his head. Adults should listen to me. I always tell the truth. Rand rested his head on Papa's chest and listened to the magic rushing around inside him. He wondered what it was doing until the luminous bubble lengthened to include all of Papa. Rand looked to see where it ended and nodded when he saw Uncle Myron. The not-boy thing and Shade were made outside the magic. What are you doing? Shade rooted around in a pocket and withdrew a box. Rand rubbed his eyes. Did I just see a claw where a five-fingered hand should be? Rand looked again, squinting through the magic's barrier. Shade's fingers fused into three digits, ending in talons. They scratched something onto the floor, then blurred as a gray, five-fingered glove replaced the claw. A small box rested in Shade's hand. Before Shade could open it, the knotboy thing batted it away, and the box flew from Shade's hand. White powder puffed out as the lid opened, spilling the box's contents. You drop bad stuff. Rand pointed to the eddies of white powder kicked up by the knotboy thing blowing to disperse it. You told Papa you don't eat bad things anymore. This had spiraled into the adult realm, and either Papa or Uncle Myron should wake up and deal with it. Rand shook Papa's arm, but he didn't wake. Shade yelped and tried to scoop the powder back into the box, but gave up when the task proved impossible. The knotboy thing made certain of it, and Rand gave the translucent thing a nod of approval. What are you? The creature ignored Rand's question. Behind it, a shadow rose and dove at the knotboy thing. Look out! Rand hit his face in Papa's chest and bit his lip as his stomach rolled in a sudden nausea. The bad thing was here. He strained to reach Bear, who had fallen between Papa and the wall. Bear's button eyes reflected the glow of Papa's magic, calming Rand, but he still wanted his stuffed companion. Rand wriggled, but Papa held him too tightly to permit escape. Bear! Rand willed Bear to come to him. Bear extended a fuzzy arm, and Rand pulled him into a tight hug. Papa jerked in a sudden spasm. His magic flared, and green light obliterated the shadows, but not their whispers. Damn it, I'm trying to sleep. Uncle Myron shook Papa's shoulder. Enough with the light shows. Knock it off. When Uncle Myron quit muttering about inconsistent brothers, Rand dared to look, but there was no trace of the shadow or the not-boy thing. How rude. That's the second time it disappeared without answering my questions. We'll ask Papa tomorrow. Bear tilted his head in a slight nod. Rand closed his eyes as a gray silhouette slunk into the tunnel, and the door clicked as it struck an uneven jam. Something bad was still coming. With Shade gone, that feeling had only intensified. Rand snuggled close to Papa and hoped the bad thing wouldn't come until Papa was awake enough to deal with it. And that's the end of chapter 19. So next time we'll pick up with chapter 20, which is the first chapter in the second book that's part of Chris Baker Enchanted, and that is called Haunted. And that will be all about the ghost and the mystery that Sarn stumbled onto before he was kidnapped and sent on a wildly different adventure. So we'll get that next time. So I hope you enjoyed the last couple of chapters. We got a bit more about Sarn's family, about his living situation. It's not great, but he does get an upgrade in his living situation at the end of Cursebreaker Hidden and the situation changes again at the end of Book 9 which is Cursebreaker Revealed and we'll see in Book 10 which is going to be Cursebreaker Joust which I have not finished writing yet what happens to his living situation at that point because who knows well I mean I hope the characters know they have some ideas but we'll see so I hope you enjoyed this and if you want to read ahead or read along you can get a copy of Chris Baker Enchanted as an ebook, as a paperback as a hardcover, as an audiobook but the audiobook is not narrated by a human I think it's really good, I really like it I'm not a big fan of my own voice but 
some people like human narrated audio so i'm trying i'm trying to do voices and conversation and interiority where you're you're getting their thoughts and also correcting typos i don't understand how they're still typos this chris baker and chin that the original version came out in 2016 has been edited and re-edited improved so many times i don't understand how there is still i don't understand how italics can like disappear and other weird things that just keep cropping up and it's driving me nuts but i'm fixing it as i am reading this so thank you for listening don't forget to follow like share all the things because it really helps and i hope that i'll see you back in the next one have a good one